Welcome to Diving Into Crypto. Diving Into Crypto. A weekly series where thought leaders share insights, strategies, and insider stories about all things crypto and Web3. Brought to you by Adlunum. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of Diving Into Crypto. This is JP from Adlunum INC, bringing you everything about Web3. On today's show, we have a special guest who is doing something different in the manner of development. And they are GIBKI. They are the Jibki Labs uh, and team. And we're going to be talking to the CDO very, very shortly. Before we begin, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to remind you that views expressed on this program are meant for educational purposes only, and our opinions reflected of that of the speaker. Also, they're not to be considered as financial advice. If any is given on onto the show, it is for the purpose of education. Secondly, in case we get cut off, Go back to Adlunum INC and you will find a link waiting for you to bring you back into this room so that, the sh so that we can continue this insightful and, and engaging interview with the guests that we have. Um, lastly, please remember, we have been blessed with thumbs and they allow you to use the reaction button. So when you hear something you like from what the speaker is speaking about, Please go ahead and use them. You can give them a try right now. The moment you press the heart button that's at the bottom of your phone, uh, I can see some of you already trying that. You know that you can have a bunch of emojis and hearts and reactions that are there, even if you need to raise your hand. Finally, at the end of the show, to, before we close, we'll open up the room for question and answers from the audience. So remember that you can keep that there. You can tweet that into AdLudemINC. We can ask it on your behalf, or you can tweet them into the speaker so that we can have them answered for you, right? That being said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very excited to start. Uh, this is uh, the person I'm going to have come on is Taiki. He is the CDO of Jibkey Labs. He used to be an architect and a developer, both in Web2 and the Web3 technologies. But I'm going to let him introduce himself a lot more um, <clears throat> through the course of the show, and you're going to find out a little about him and some of the insightful stuff that he's been doing over at Jibki Lab. So welcome, 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 Taiki. How are you? Hi, yes. Uh, thank you very much, JP. Yeah, so I'm JM, and um, yeah, Taiki and Gibki are a few of the things that I've been working on lately. So um, I guess I can start by introducing those two things. Uh, so I guess they've been, uh, the audience has been hearing it about, uh, a little bit. Um, but just for some background, so um, Taiki is one of the startups under Gibkey. And Gibkey Labs is a, at, at first it was a Web3 focused venture builder. And we've been able to go through a lot of different industries and tackle a lot of different technologies in the, um, in the space in the wide space that is Web3 and crypto and all that. Thank you very much. Um, I guess one of the things that I wanted to say is, um, about, um, apart from what I do with Gibkey and Daiki now, um, I started in crypto way back 2009. That's a really long time. And at mm -hmm. that time, I think um, Bitcoin was just around, what, a few cents. You know, it wasn't yeah. even worth a dollar. And most of the things that were happening around that space were um, 
it was basically just people around the forum, you know, trading <laughs> sort of stuff. And nobody would ever, uh, nobody would ever treat it like money. Yeah, I was there during the whole time when the Bitcoin pizza happened. Um, those were some crazy times, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very curious and I know that our audience is equally curious to know those stories, JM. Um, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, let me apologize up front. I've been referring to our speaker as Taiki. Uh, his, his ID is JM. His name is JM. You can refer to him as JM. Let me take that back. Uh, thank you for schooling me on that. Like I said, you learn different things on the show every time. So uh, my apologies for uh, for naming <laughs> for messing up on the name. Uh, but JM, it's it's a, a pleasure to meet you, and thank you for sharing that part. Interestingly, though, just a few days ago, there was somebody that shared a tweet from 2011, right? And in 2011, there was a person that tweeted. I have sold all my Bitcoin at $14 and I've taken a loss because uh, at the time, and this was in July of 2011, right? And somewhere, towards, uh, somewhere in July, uh, Bitcoin had peaked at around $23 or $26 at that point. So he mm -hmm. bought it at 14 and it ended the year at $4.5. So, um, so you can imagine, I, I, looking at that tweet, uh, I went back to research in 2011 what was the price of Bitcoin at the time that it opened. Uh, it started the year at exactly 30 cents. So, so when so when when you shared that when you shared that story, it's it's really interesting that you've been in in the industry or been interested in the industry for that long. Yeah, that goes yeah. way back. <laughs> it goes way way back. You know, no no one can really tell the price. Um, mm -hmm. Exchanges were scattered far and wide. Sometimes you wouldn't even know about exchanges. Um, it was just a very, very um, different kind of playing field. And everybody was trying to build something. Actually, it's quite like today, you know, now that mm -hmm. NFTs are a thing, now that, yeah. um, you know, there are new tokens every now and then. It's, it's very similar, like the, the vibe, the feel right now of the market. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. It's pretty similar, actually, every year. Because every year or every few years, there's something new right. coming out with blockchain, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting for me. And I think that's one of the things that piqued my interest way back when. Um, even before, I was already reading, like, why people, why Satoshi, right? Why Satoshi created yeah. Bitcoin. It was all about, you know, decentralization, all of those different buzzwords. Um mm -hmm. But for my personal experience, um, during that time, I think it was just so much easier to um, get into crypto right. simply because I'm from the Philippines. All right, I'm from the Philippines, and it's quite hard to deal with um, at the time PayPal. You know, it was it was quite hard for me to deal with PayPal. Um, yeah. and I was unbanked. I had nothing, and I wanted to, um, you know, I wanted to try. Um, doing some online work, you know, and that wasn't a thing before. That wasn't a thing before. Now it's very normal, right? Like all of us are probably like working from home, working remotely. I think I was yeah. one of the first few people um, working remotely and getting paid in Bitcoin. Very informal work yeah. too, like writing, all that stuff. And that's how I got mm. into crypto. Yeah, and I, I used my crypto actually to buy like stuff from games and all that. You know, not not, not exactly my needs at the time. But, right. but that's how I got interested and continued to follow the crypto space. 
Wow. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's, it's so interesting to hear the, the story of where your, your first time, your, your introduction is, is into Bitcoin. Now, that is, now that part is something common, right? Uh, yeah. to, to be honest about it, a lot of people, their first interaction is, uh, is with Bitcoin that somebody told them, hey, you know what, buy into this and then, and then take a look at, you know, what's happened. It's a great asset. Um, but what happens, what, what really becomes interesting is the stories of why people stay, right? And, and, and that, I suppose that there has to have been, for you, some moment at which, you know, you, you've, a, a switch had flipped and you said, hey, Web3 is the space to be for me, right? Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah, sure. Actually, that's actually a great question because um, I was not a coder back then. I was not into technology back then. Um, uh-huh. Like I said, I started doing this sort of stuff in the crypto industry or like for people doing crypto. Um, mm-hmm. I was doing writing. And right. at the time, I was writing about the technology. You know, I was um, writing about people using the technology, um, writing about people who traded Bitcoin. But I never really um, made anything of my own. And I think that was a challenge for me. Um, I was challenged to um, learn enough so that I can create something. And I guess it was sort of an ego thing for me that I wanted to be able to, to be able to create something, right? To be able to create something like an exchange, maybe, yeah. and all that stuff. But as I did research, I just learned more and more about how hard it actually was. So I made it a point to study enough on my own to be able to make one. I mean, lo and behold, now I definitely can. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was a very long journey. And um, what was hand-holding me along the way was the crypto space you know right. um, everything every time i learned something new close to that like um in technology or in my craft um i was mm-hmm. also doing freelance work and getting paid right. in crypto yeah mm-hmm. so that was how I, that, that's why i stayed um it it quite literally uh created a new uh, career opportunity for me so yeah awesome. it, it expanded my skills expanded my network i was able to learn about new things not just from here in the philippines but also from around the world um i yeah, guess that's, that's how why mm-hmm. i stayed yeah. well that's that's the beauty of it and uh, it's it's often at the time when you know you jump into the utility of of crypto is when you actually start to take an interest because until that time you're, you're not an insider you're not somebody that's got literally some skin in the game right yeah um yeah, uh, and and it's it's only at that point, like when you buy your first Bitcoin, or you get you get paid, and, and your 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 story resonates with with so many developers who are trying to do something different, who have skills from a Web two arena, moving to a Web three arena, and their journey is, I, I suppose, to to some degree of how do I get through this transition? You know, uh, I'm I'm used to traditionally being paid in fiat. Everything I know from the engineering colleges I went to and or even some of the self-learning ones, all of that has been focused on uh, this is how a com- company works. This is how things work. Uh, you know, I, I may freelance a little. I, I know things in Web 2 because I can see them. I've seen them for decades. But when it comes to Web 3, that transition must have been, I, you know, for want of a better word, I'm just going to say interesting. But I know that it might have also been <laughs> horrific. It might have its yeah. up and down. Yeah. Tell definitely. us about that. Definitely, definitely. Um, during the 2017, um, let's say, ICO boom, 
you know, there was a mm-hmm. lot of ICOs and stuff. Um, at the time, I was already pretty well versed with Web three. I would I would call myself a consultant at that point already, and wow, um, I was working with a bunch of companies from around the world, and we were um, taking payments mainly in crypto. Um, right. My biggest mistake as a um, business owner at the time was to keep it in crypto because um, after twenty seventeen, you know, everything crashed like crazy, right? Um, yeah. I'm used to just holding my money, if, especially if I don't use it. Um, I was quite new right. banking at the time, especially. And mm. once I got in there and experienced my very, very big crash. I mean, I, there have been a lot of crashes before, right? There have been a lot right. of crashes way back when. But they recovered pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. The 2017 crash, or 2018 rather, was pretty heavy. And mm-hmm. it stayed for a long time. There was a big winter, right? And right. Yeah, it was a very big shocking experience that I realized mm-hmm. that I was able to go through already, but never have experienced something that big before. And yeah, it was a very big eye opener, um, to say the least. But it never really got me. Uh, I mean, I guess it scared me a little bit from the industry, yeah. but it, it never really, um, it never made me close the door on crypto mm-hmm. or blockchain for that matter. Um, JM, there has to have been something that that kept you. What what was that something? Was it was it curiosity? Was it hey, you know what? This still is interesting despite the fact that people don't. Uh, the times are bad. What was it for you? Um, I guess it was just my personal dream to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I wanted to be a one man IT team at the time, right? I wanted to be okay. a one man IT because I wanted to create like an exchange. <laughs> crypto was so crazy back then that you could make these sort of things without much regulation. <laughs> yeah. And I was, you know, yeah. here, here I was thinking, you know, maybe I should just make one and just leave it there and fix it every now and then. And I'll make passive income from all the transactions and all the volume from the, you know, that was what, that was what was in my head. Um, right. And I wanted to do that. And mm-hmm. um, not being able to do it kept me hooked into crypto. It kept me um, watching all the different businesses that existed um it kept me updated still like i was still watching all of the different exchanges what they did what they did right what they did wrong um mm-hmm. what sort of features they had so what did i have to learn to make those features right so i kept right. my learning i kept my career pretty close to my interests right mm-hmm. um and that's what kept me to stay um the pay okay. yeah the pay was great Definitely. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it wasn't really in my head. Um, I was right. just make. I was just more focused on making what was enough. Of course, now mm-hmm. um, it's not. I mean, it's still the goal, but mm-hmm. of course, I want to dream bigger. Mm-hmm. But it was more of a personal um, pursuit that kept me in right. the crypto uh, crypto space for the longest time. Awesome. Okay. Okay, so you, you obviously you, you had a dream, you wanted to pursue it. That that pursuing is uh and you know that that pursuing and the belief, that pursuit and that belief is primarily what what kept you straight and focused. All right. Um yeah. when you began uh Gypki Labs, right? Uh, or rather mm-hmm. when you were, were, were part of that, tell us a little about what that does and then and then a little about what Taiki does too. Sure, sure. So um when we started, um I'm a gamer. I, I play video mm-hmm. games every now and then. Actually, mm-hmm. like more often than I'd like to. 
Um, <laughs> and I met someone, um, a friend of a friend, um, mm-hmm. was introduced to me, and she was host. Uh, she was basically the granddaughter of um, the chairman of this company, and they were okay. struggling at the time. Like, is this just 2020? They were struggling mm-hmm. at the time to shift into the new normal. Um, oh. Here in the Philippines, um, a lot of there are a lot of good developers here. There are a lot of good engineers in here in the Philippines, but a lot of them um, prefer to work for abroad, right? And that I yeah. think that's a big issue because mm-hmm. um, at that time they were su- uh, they were suffering from the pandemic. They were in school basically, and they needed help um, deploying their learning management system, and they hired a firm that was pretty much like um, scamming them for the money. Um, mm-hmm. The features weren't working. It was taking too long to load and all that. Right. And um, I mean it when I say that I found her cute. So I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to work on your project for you. Sure, I can I can, I can, can do that. Like, we're friends on um, Valorant and all that, you know? So let, let's yeah. do it. So yeah. I decided to do it. And eventually, I even decided to do it for free. So funny. Wow. Um, okay. Then, um, what do you call this? The board of directors told me that they can't, you know, they can't just let me do it for free. So mm-hmm. they decided to pay me. And I was like, you know what? There might be a bunch of people, you know, like um, suffering from the same problems, especially mm-hmm. during the new normal. Why not? Right. I'm pretty free right now. So I can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I did that. And then afterwards... Um, I built a tiny team. We were just a team of three. Um, okay. And we would design and develop websites and, you know, like entire systems for different companies. Up mm-hmm. until we heard about, you know, NFTs in Solana. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. heard about NFTs in Solana and it was booming like crazy. Um, right. So I decided to learn more mm-hmm. about um, how to develop on Solana. Until okay. I, we uh, until we shifted our focus from, you know, web two, uh, web two clients to web three clients. We were basically, um, doing services, customer support, mints, uh, generations, and all that for different um, NFT clients. Up until, um, we eventually created, um, different kinds of utilities for NFTs. So. We were creating new utilities for NFTs in the Solana blockchain. And um, mm-hmm. we were also providing consultancy for some. So we, right. we were able to give advice to some founders and everything. We met a lot, got a lot of insight yeah. and all that. And that's how yeah. we've been able to maintain our Web3, th- uh, Web uh, what do you call this? Our influence in Web3. Up until okay. here in the Philippines, we also met with some of the biggest um, founders of Filipino-based um, startups uh, that are in Web3. You know, things like uh, Yield Guild Games, um, Breeder DAO, you know, those sort of things. Right. So it was a crazy experience, a crazy, a crazy and wild experience, honestly, like how far we've gone because of Web3. Got it, got it, got it. So, I mean, that that's quite a journey because you, you've painted an arc from the, from the, the eyes of a, a developer moving up the ranks within a corporate but that isn't that that is that is just the that is just one part of the backstory but the 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 other part of the backstory which uh which we'd like to dive into but we should do that at a different time is is the story of you know how it panned out with the girl 
<laughs> yeah. It was very, very wild experience. It's all over the place, I know. <laughs> well, I'm 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 glad for you. Um okay, so so JM, that, that being said, right? So you you've got this arc. So this is how effectively you were able to build a team, develop some um develop the right connects into uh connects in terms of have your team out there to be able to to meet guys like Peter Dow and, and the guild that you were speaking about. Um, okay, so this being said, and of course, uh, of course, you've chosen to 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 work with Solana. NFTs are are something that is that is uh, you know one of the focus areas. Uh, we know we all know that when it comes to anything in Web three, community mm-hmm. plays a very big part, right? Mm-hmm. And in in so many ways, the the challenge about bringing bringing a community on board is something that that all of us you know struggle with in in different ways and different levels. Uh, what was that journey like for you? And you know, considering that you you're based in the Philippines, I'm certain that there must be certain unique points that you were able to choose as a success, or or maybe cases of learning. What were those like for you? All right. Um, you know, the one big thing that I learned in this space is that the tech isn't everything, you know. Um, like you said, Amen. the NFT founders that we work with, we work with one from each continent, like probably, right? And mm-hmm. it's crazy. Like, um, we pretty much um, give them exactly the same thing, except mm-hmm. it looks different, feels a little bit different. Um, yeah. but they all they all have different success, you know. They they, they have mm-hmm. different um kinds of success or success rates. So some of them right. don't make it at all. Um, and you're right. Mm-hmm. Community is the biggest, probably the biggest um um factor that comes into play when they come when they come up with those kinds of projects. Um, right. and I think one of the biggest things that I realized that um here in the NFT space or not really NFT space. Um, with the Web3 space as a whole, um, it's actually a very big issue of identity. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people, um, we come from all over the place. We come from all over the world. But none of yeah. none of your nationality matters. So they say, right? So they say. Mm-hmm. But the thing yeah. is, the one thing that everybody looks for is mm-hmm. someone to um, empathize with, a brand to empathize with, and a brand to identify with, right? So... Right. You have to be able to pin your niche. Like someone has, you have to be able to um, create something that speaks for a lot more people than just yourself, right? And that's one of the things that a lot of people don't get, right? Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people try to play by the rules of what they learned in business school or things like that. But what they fail to learn is that this is largely an informal space. Everybody's just here. Um, yeah. trying to have fun. Of course, it's getting more and more regulated now, but yeah. people are here. People are uh, people are trying to identify with things, um, especially yeah. more so in the NFT space, um, the mm-hmm. NFT subspace of Web three, right? Right. And you have to be able to make something. Um, it's it comes with like maybe the philosophy, the values of your brand, um, the roadmap of your brand. It's not just the roadmap either. So it's, it's many things that come into play and you have to be able to follow through um, with, those, um, with those points that, that help your community identify with you. Right. right. Okay. 
Um, so this is this is of course interesting in terms of being able to to pick and choose that or or really dive into some insight where that's there because we are talking about uh, you know a, a multi billion dollar market when it comes to yeah. NFTs and you know just in the month of Jan uh, because of the this this cycle that we've had this up cycle that we've had you you're looking at about one billion uh, in in thirty days with uh, with with NFTs right. Uh, starting mm-hmm. the month with with almost nothing, but you you're closing it in on in averaged out ninety nine ninety nine point seven five three million uh, more or less about one billion dollars you know came into the market just within that one month right yeah um yeah so this this being said the the need to identify the the need to have that piece of art uh, really appeal to you that you'd want to you'd want to pay for it. Uh, because it's one thing to feel, and this is the the general consensus when it comes to that. Um, how how do you go about choosing that? And then I want to flip that question later to ask about you know why should somebody invest in a piece of art uh, when they could when they could just see it, which is what most people do with with paintings that you see in a gallery, right? So I'm going to take this from two parts. But the first one is uh, how do you go about choosing that those points of resonance with mm-hmm. uh, you know with somebody. Um, I think for that, um, the thing that I see common with a lot of really good founders is mm-hmm. that they it's an introspective journey, you know, like um, they have to, you know, especially when they create the project that's likened to themselves, you know, as a right. person. A lot of people think mm-hmm. that that's not the way, you know, that you have to be, you know, you have to conform, you have to do the same thing that everybody else has. But what's worked for a lot of the biggest founders, in fact, are when people create it their way. When people think for themselves, mm-hmm. right? The whole concept of individuality. Because you realize uh, when you put something out there into this global space, this um, this unbordered space, um, yeah. there are so many more people like you than you think. And these people will be your, com- people will be your community. What's important here really is community acquisition. And they will not be there um, if you just try to be someone else, right? We, we, they value originality. They value um, sincerity, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's one of the things that's worked um, very well for a lot of the best founders in the NFT space. Okay, so, so it's picking that. And the second part is then, how do you, how do, um, you know, how do you get people to take a deeper interest uh, with NFTs of a series that you built? Oh, yeah. Now, this is a question I get a lot. So, a lot yeah. of people, um, what I think is wrong in this space, mm-hmm. actually, a lot right. of people try to pin Web3 as something completely different. It's not. Okay. Um, it's just another technology. It's another tool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to get people into the Web3 space, you have yeah. to try to make it seem like it's not a Web3 thing. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's scared of Web3 at this point. You know, we've seen all the ugly. But the thing is, right. we've seen all the ugly of everything else. But does mm-hmm. that make does that scare anybody off from money? Right? Mm-hmm. People always say, there's so many scams in Web3. Uh, there's so yeah. many scams with money, right? <laughs> Happens in the SEC all the goddamn time. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, um, <laughs> but you have to... Um, well, you have to bite that bullet. You have to accept that you won't always be able to, you won't always be able to um, um, market it that way. Try to 
change the perspective that it's just the technology. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say that I'm using Web3, right? Yeah. Now imagine a lot of these decentralized applications or NFTs. What if we just sold them as art? You know, what if we just sold right. them as art and not look at my NFT? Say, mm-hmm. look at my art. Or right. use my, uh, what about check my app out? It's so much mm-hmm. easier to understand than check my DAP out, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, there's so many of these things, these subtle differences that a lot of people don't get, um, which is causing the barrier to entry. It's because we're making that barrier to entry. As a, as a whole, mm-hmm. like as an industry, we're creating that barrier to entry ourselves. Fair enough. I, I'm, I, I agree with you 100%, right? Because when you look at regulated markets or when you look at trying to, let's just take it from the customer's point of view. It's always the fact that when the customer wants to, or rather when you're, when the party, when anyone who's interested in, in, in coming over to the other side, right? The easier you make that road for them, the, the quicker they will all they will all line up to to get there because what they can see on the other side is a new experience, right? Um, you know, uh, better or worse. But you, you're right when you say that the, those barriers are um, stopping more people from mass adoption. A few days on the show, we had uh, you know an updated statistic. It used to be three, just a third of the world. No, I'm oh, sorry, three percent of the world's population was was in crypto. It's now five percent, right? Five yeah. percent is a is a very very good number, but uh, it's but this is after one over a decade of you know uh, of of Bitcoin being in existence, of uh, Web three being a, getting to be more of a mainstream thing, and still after a decade there's still that many barriers, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and, and it's it's disappointing in a way, but you know um, what do you what do you see when it comes to that? I mean, what are some of the ways we should just move those things aside, take a bulldozer? Bulldozer, you know, move those things out of the way. What are some of the things that you would you would see in your region, especially, that would make things easier for for everyone to jump on board? Oh, in my region, actually, there was a recent study that came out, and mm-hmm. the Philippines is the the biggest country. In, I mean, the country in the world that is most interested in the metaverse, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, Vietnam being the most invested in it, you know. Yeah. Um, I think it's working its way slowly, especially with the different um, talented founders that are here in the Philippines and different. Um, of course, it also uh, the the economy of the country also comes into play. You know, people are seeking out better opportunities. People are seeking out global ways to make money and global markets, um, right. And exports and all that, right? So I think mm-hmm. uh, eventually it will come out as a need. Um, anyone uh-huh. broadening could, you know, it could also cause a lot of backlash, I think. So I think we right. should just um, keep building. Um, mm-hmm. it's, some, it's a question that are, is still yet to be answered, to be honest. Um, unless mm-hmm. the government supports it. You know, like if the government supports it, then wow, then that's perfect for everybody, right? But right. Um, people are still finding their way. So I think maybe um, yeah. in, in that, uh, from that, from from that from there sorry mm-hmm. um maybe education is one of the biggest ways to get there um if okay. more people in the populace is able to understand then there'll be less risk and if there's less risk the government will be more likely to support the uh, support crypto in the first place so i think it's um okay. it's a hodgepodge of things that we can yeah. do it's all over the place mm-hmm. but you know 
uh, right now, there is no definite way to just say that, okay, um, mm-hmm. we'll clear all of those barriers to entry and it's going to be fine. Unfortunately. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we just we just have to take one day at a time, I guess, and, and keep yeah. like you're saying, educating people, right? Just keep forging forward. You know? Yep. Um fair enough. Uh, fair enough. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's all. <laughs> go on. <laughs> okay. Um so okay, so I'm curious to pick your brain about something. Um when it comes to a lot of these interesting projects that you've worked on, of course, with uh with the orientation that you have, right? What's your method to pick them? What's what's the ones you say yes to? What are the ones that you say no to? How do you go about that? Oh, um, I sort of go about it like in HR, you know, like I uh-huh. I pretty much ask like um a bunch of questions relating to what they feel about the projects themselves. Cause when when I tell you that there are some people who are just doing it for the money, they, they some of them yeah. really do, you know. Some some mm-hmm. of them don't really care what they're what they're trying to make in the first place. So oh, it, okay. it's kind of, um, it's very, very disheartening as someone who's passionate mm-hmm. about it, right? And I would much, yeah. uh, much so rather work on projects, especially if it's tiring, you know, um, right. if, they, if they believe in the same things I do, you know, if they mm-hmm. are doing it for a cause and if mm-hmm. they're sincere. And of course, if they aren't, if they aren't planning on scamming their users, uh, I, I like yeah. to keep, give keys, um, I like to keep Gibki's name clean. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to um, cause any problems for myself or my co-founders. So, right. yeah, those are one of the things that I find very important uh, when working with people in the space. <laughs> Especially okay, so, if so that's it's always going to be a cultural right? barrier, you know. It's always going to be a cultural oh. barrier. So I, I like to minimize the difference. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I can see. I can really see how that uh, how that plays an important factor uh, because the understanding when it comes to culture is is something that is very nuanced uh, and a lot of people have to have to understand that the styles that that may go across certain regions of Europe uh, will be different from those that are accepted in in the Americas or uh, you know in in Africa or or different parts of Asia or Oceania right. Uh, and and there, there's obviously reasons for that. And you can see that in the style of gaming itself that comes out of there. So that should also resonate in some way. The FTs that, that get put Sorry, out. Uh, can you repeat that? Sure. So in, in terms of, uh, can, can you hear me clearly? Yep, I can hear you now. Okay. All right. So in, in terms of the, the, the style, right? I mean, it's it's very nuanced when it comes to certain regions of which uh, founders will first look to target when they want to develop an NFT of sorts, and especially if it's art-based, because mm-hmm. when it comes to that, uh, the, you you notice styles that come out of, uh, let's say, styles that come out of Japan will have a very different feel uh, to styles that come out of Europe, right? Uh, yeah. They'll have very different feels to styles that come out of, of Africa, from the Americas, from North America, uh, Oceania, all these places, right? So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So the culture barrier, of course, is is something. And and your you you shared that even when the founders, you know, they they really believe in the project that they are, and you can you can sense that passion, right? That's yeah, that's a method sure. of due diligence in itself, right? Um, but tell us a little more, JM. Tell us a little more about, uh, for example, some of the better projects that you've worked on, and some that you 
learned from. I'm not going to say that they're the ones that, that weren't great, but the ones that you learned from. Yeah, all right. Um, I'd like to say that a lot of the projects I had to learn from. <laughs> you <laughs> okay. know, we're not so lucky to be um, um, contributing to one of the projects that, you know, made a very big difference in the space, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, honestly, um, it was just really hard. Like I said, the mm-hmm. cultural difference, even between us as a provider and them as a client, you know, it was a very, very big and different experience and I really had to learn from that. Um, mo- mm-hmm. Like um, some of the projects themselves, um, let's say, for example, something's fishy. So that's an easy okay. project. Um, mm-hmm. I had to learn a lot from those guys. Um, it was very mm-hmm. hard. Um, mm-hmm. the, the time difference was very difficult and right right like the way they uh there's the style of their art was different and Mm -hmm. it was very big so we had to Mm -hmm. like you know we had to find ways to properly store all of them without being lossy in terms of quality for example um we had to uh use many different ways to make um their specifications uh to make their project to their specifications and apart from that um we made some mistakes as well. So we had mm-hmm. we learned a lot. We learned a lot. We had to like we had to face, you know, scrutiny from not just them but also their community. Um right. it was it was difficult to say the mm-hmm. least. Um right. but eventually I guess um it was a very big learning experience and something that I wouldn't say I'd do it again, but it's mm-hmm. not something I regret taking. You know, mm-hmm. I was able to learn a lot and still, of course, um, discover what I could do better. Mm-hmm. Well, that's to... yeah. Compared to if I didn't um, didn't engage with them at all. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I was sorry to to have interrupted you there. I was just curious to uh, wondering if um, since you worked on on Solana was you know it was the tech something that came in the way uh, of um, uh, you know uh, of you being able to develop that but because you're in a position to, to share that insight with us uh, is it that much more difficult with you know working on different tech that tomorrow somebody comes and tells you hey I want to build this on maybe a different chain uh, does that get in the way in any way um it was at first actually. Mm-hmm. It was a very big difference at first, and it was um, what do you call this? It kind of um, it it gave us delays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the language itself is different. the The way it's architected is different. It was very different. Um, yeah. And apart from that, the tools that were available at the time were different. I didn't even know some of the tools existed. Sometimes I had to write them from scratch. It was right. really weird. Um, but you know, um, if you know what you're doing, you'll understand mm-hmm. it better and yeah. you'll be able to find this solution faster than most, right. you know, mm-hmm. I guess that's one of the, one of the better, um, things. Well, I wouldn't say everybody has, everybody has that, you know, the ability to like, just understand technology for what it is, right. but it's one of the things that helped me at least. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, we all go through a learning curve when it comes to doing this. And I'm glad you're you're so open about this. And, and thank you for really sharing that because it's one of the key things that a lot of us need to understand. Uh, and that is the fact that we can't know everything. And what keeps us successful often is learning this these skills on the job, right? Uh, just the, yeah. So, so I, it looks to me like what, you, what you're saying is that just that ability to be able to learn at a point when, when you know, you don't know the answer, uh, but you're going about and finding the answer. Uh, oh, yeah. That itself <laughs> is, yeah. Tell us, tell us more about that. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, apart from, you know, I'm also an architect. So, mm-hmm. This, um, it's my job to really find out like how to how to do things, right? Just, just how to do things. Sometimes yeah. some of those questions are um, completely up to me, and if right. I don't get to answer those questions, you know, a lot of things will happen. A lot of bad things for the client. A lot of bad things for um, uh, the company, my co-founders, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I really had to learn how to. <laughs> read funny um i really yeah. had to learn how to read a lot like a lot of um what do you call this documentation a lot of best practices and all that it, wow. it was uh what do you call this it was a very humbling experience when i started working in web3 smart contracts mm-hmm. and all that stuff you know coming from simple like what you know the, the usual technologies that we use it's a whole new right. different programming language for a, what a completely different uh, virtual machine, right? So yeah, it, um, I guess that those were one of the biggest experiences um, in my development journey and architecture uh, mm-hmm. architect journey. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it was all in Web three. It was very very crazy and wild, right? <laughs> like um, professionally, you can't let them know that you're having this much yeah. of a hard time. So. Yeah. Yeah, but, but uh, you know, but you're you're right about that part. Professionally, it's it's never good. Uh, it's you know, it's just bad form, right? I won't. I'm not going to say that it's it's never a good thing. Uh, there there are ways that you 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 can depict that, uh, you know, positively to the client, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and at the and at the same time, at the same time, the very fact that we we have to understand in in many cases that we don't always know the answer, but we can go and find it. And, uh, and I think that that effort in, in so many ways, even in this industry or rather, especially in this industry is understood because it's nascent, it's, it's new. It's, you're not going to have somebody that has a tra- track record of 10, maybe 15 years, you know, in a space like this, uh, yeah. every other IT company has that, uh, you know, has the luxury of that, right? If, oh, I, if I want a consultant who's got 15 or 20 years in the industry, Boom! That's it. I, I pop into LinkedIn and I found it, but uh, or her, right? But the yeah. thing is, um, yeah. But in this space, I mean, if you if you've spent a few years in it, uh, and especially on the development side, that's gold. Yeah, I agree. You'd be able to understand like where to look for things too. <laughs> that's one of the yeah. was one of the fun things um, developing in the Web three space. I'd say. I like that. I like that. Yes, it is. It is a fun thing. It is. It is a fact that you, if you can learn whilst whilst doing that, that's a good space to be in, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, JM. Um, I want to pivot a little from what we are what we're discussing the arc, the journey, the tech to uh, a little point about developing 
the brand aspect and being able to to cover the the region not not just the region right to to build up a name uh, of uh, in in this area right so when mm-hmm. it comes to Jibki uh, Labs firstly um, you know what were your top three learnings when it came to having to build this from the ground up biggest learning um I started Gibki West um, with friends, and mm-hmm. the biggest thing I learned is that you have to learn how to be professional. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to learn how to rein in the people that you have in the company. Um, a lot of people will have different interests, different ways of expressing their things. Um, mm-hmm. you know, different intents as well for the company. Um, yeah. if you're creating a brand that a lot of people are going to identify with you have to make sure that the company can also identify with itself from within. So, I mean, it's wow. it's one thing to say that um, you're supposed to, uh, what do you call this, you know, take everyone's ideas and all that stuff. Um, but when push comes to shove, you have to know um, when to tell the people that, okay, this is what we're going to follow. And yeah. flat structures are always, uh, always sound so fair and nice, mm-hmm. but it's just inefficient. Mm-hmm. Um, someone has to lead. Someone has to, someone has to um, facilitate that sort of journey for you. You know. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so identifying that yeah. was one. What more? Sorry. Uh, what? What more? What more? I mean, that was that was one of that was one of three. I'm gonna put you on the spot a little. <laughs> but, <laughs> All right. But sure. this is. <laughs> but this is really interesting because. Um, you know, I, I appreciate the, the the honesty about it, and I appreciate the fact that uh, there there is a lot of resonance in what you're saying, JM. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it is it is not just about the story, right? It's about the journey, and yeah. the destination is wherever it could be because it it doesn't stop; it just keeps going, and it, it often it it just keeps going long after we may no longer be here. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Or even in a, in the space, uh, but but it can still have its journey. So. So that's why it's it's important in so many ways to vocalize it, to to document it, uh, to be able to share it, so that you know who knows uh, more people can can at least realize that that path is built for them. Right. So okay. So so one was one was being able to to have an identity, uh, a professional identity developed within, mm-hmm. you know, within within the company, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, wouldn't you? Uh, what what else was what what else was it that was a deep learning for you? Um, another thing that um I learned from starting mm-hmm. Gibki is that, uh, what do you call this? You have to learn how to say no as well. Um, to Ooh. be good at something, you have to be bad at something, right? You have to be mm-hmm. bad at everything. Else, actually, in fact, yeah. Um, a lot of people will say yes to every opportunity. A lot of people will say. Yes to every single, uh, you know, addition. You know, everybody likes stacking things on top of things, right? Right. Um, like, for example, a Band-Aid. You can put one Band-Aid on the wound. Put more. Yeah. It's just going to moist up, right? There's so many things that um, a lot of people do in excess. Mm-hmm. And you have to really be able to focus on one single point to be able to um, do it well. And it's not just... I'm not saying that in terms of a philosophical way. I'm, I can also yeah. say it in terms of, um, what do you call this? Um, in terms of finances, like cost. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. So that's another thing. That's another big point that um I learned. I learned the hard way. Mm-hmm. I actually made this mistake. Wow. Um, for Gibki, <laughs> I I made this mistake for Gibki. Um, we were working on so many NFT projects, and I wanted to create my own. <laughs> and we basically okay. screwed up. Um, that was one of the things that um we're good at the tech. We're not exactly mm-hmm. good. Um, we're not exactly good at creating an NFT like movement or type of thing. We can leave that to the founders. We realized. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that but that that's interesting. I guess I guess at some point at, at some point you of course want to create you know have a presence in that space that's that's at the forefront, right? Um, and and yeah, it, it it may look like a good idea. It does work. It doesn't work. But could there have been another learning from that that may that you know, uh, maybe an area of expertise, I, I guess, that, you know, like you said, right? Say you have to be good at something, you're probably bad at something else. Yeah. Um, though it's not bad to explore. Uh, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not bad to explore. Um, mm-hmm. I've been, like, I, I do say that I focus a lot on development, on architecture, pretty much everything in the realm of technology. But even then, um, right. I'm not the best at everything. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not particularly um, skilled at a lot of things either. I just understand mm-hmm. well enough. In fact, that's what you have to do as an architect. To be able to right. properly architect things, you have to understand things. But mm-hmm. not to a point of trying to use all that time to master everything, right? right. You only have enough um, things. And that's why you have to learn how to delegate, You know, create a team that will fill in those gaps with you. Um, right. not for you though. So like big point. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, be 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 willing to explore. You know, a lot of people, mm-hmm. even in terms of a career, um, right. people don't always stick to the thing that they used to, uh, that they took in college, right? Like right. it's a very it's 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 a very big space and a very big world. Don't be afraid mm-hmm. to explore. But if you found your way, you found your path. Um, drill yeah. down on it. You know. Mm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So, uh, wow. So this is this is of course um, extremely insightful. It is. Uh, it, it's a very honest journey, and I, I, I keep. I know I'm repeating the word honest, but that's one of the things on the on the show that we try to to share as insight with with our listeners. Right. It, the the point is really that the 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 realism of having to go through that journey. The the real the the reality of these aspects is uh, is very different when you're when you're walking each step, each each hour, each minute, each second. Uh, it's it's very different from what people will see from the outside, uh, you know, as as what goes into making something successful. Because everyone's looking at someone in Web three as oh, you're in the Web three space, you're in the crypto space, so you're bound to be earning like you know, you're bound to be a millionaire. Where's your Lambo? <laughs> Right. Oh yeah, I wish. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, I wish. Um, We're all just yeah. normal workers here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So true. So true. Um, and and that that perception in in so many ways has to break because that's one of the key that may draw people in, but it won't keep them there. Right. Uh, you know, it it it, it just won't. And when it comes to the the aspect of that mass adoption, it's certainly something that. Uh, you've you've been able to share that you know it's very real. Uh, keep learning, uh, keep trying, keep experimenting, and that's that's what eventually will will help you build this the successful model of yourself more than anything yeah, else. For sure, exactly, 
Yeah. Oh, oh right. Okay. Very, very true. Um, go for it. I don't know. That's all. <laughs> okay. Uh, I wanted to ask you, considering that you've worked on multiple projects, you've worked on uh, projects that have been in tech outside, you're an avid gamer, uh, you know, you, you, you know how to make NFTs work. The, the question I have for you is when it comes to seeing that, that trend, right, that, that arc, where do you see the trend going from here? Uh, what do you see is the, the future in Web3, at least in the direction that you are or from a broader point of view? What are your thoughts? Um, you remember what I said about, you know, making Web3 not so much um, an isolated industry mm-hmm. um, and yeah. make it a, a part of everything that we do as tech. Um, a lot of people are starting to catch on with the way, um, with that sort of thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's it's going very differently now. Like, um, people, like, there was this recent um, startup that came to be. It didn't last very mm-hmm. long, but it was a very big, um, it was a very big, diff, uh, very big start when Bondi okay. came out. Like, uh, that was oh, actually yeah. a web three company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people didn't notice at first, but yeah, the, the moment that they read eventually that it was using NFTs, everyone was like, "Uh oh, it's using NFTs. I don't like it anymore." But that right. was a very big step. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, I think there are more and more companies and more and more people who are catching on. And mm-hmm. that's very exciting for me. I'm I'm waiting for the day that it um, you know, it becomes a norm and mm-hmm. Web three just becomes accessible to everyone. Okay. Okay. So um, yeah. So the future, the future, of course, is Web three or or maybe a different iteration. By the time it, it catches on, that's kind of what happens. By the time everyone gets used to a technology, you know, they they've decided to go with a, a new version, just like uh, just like the internet on your phone, right? Yeah. Uh, you, by the time we got used to Edge, uh, <laughs> they already had two, then 3G that came out, and then four, and now five. Yeah. And apart from that, you know, um, even Solana is creating their own Solana mobile, right? There's right. so many new technologies where make, uh, it makes a whole lot more things, um, what do you call this, possible mm-hmm. and more accessible for normal people who, who don't, who don't want to you know, give a shit about right. Web3 or anything. Um, it's more of just them using things. And eventually, yeah. um, that amount of that big usage or that big, um, mm-hmm. that so, uh, will, will actually like spur a whole new um, level of, you know, there's going to be more money coming in for sure. <laughs> For for sure, for sure, and you know the one of the things I think we also have to realize is the fact that no matter what happens with the Solana phone, right? Uh, if if it if it becomes a success, it's great. If it uh, you'll still have people following it, but it's already yeah. laid a path down for other phone makers to follow, and that would be one of the biggest adoption methods for uh, for people to use. The same way that you have, for example. Uh, if you have an Android phone, by default, you will you sh- you ideally should have a Netflix app already installed. Uh, just making it so much easier to for you to get yourself a subscription, right? Uh, yeah. So at the same time, tomorrow maybe who knows? There would be an an exchange on it. There could be a a wallet on it, and that could be a, a way to really really quick adoption. Agreed. Yes. 
Well, fingers crossed. We might see that, you know, in in <laughs> in the near future. Yeah. All right. For okay. Sure. So, hell excited. <laughs> I I I would be as well. I mean that that would that would really be um, a, a quick entry. And and yes, those of you that are listening to it, uh, you can send my consultancy fees to adlunam.inc. Uh, I'll 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 text you my wallet address. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, JM, we we are coming close to the end of the show, but uh, two two questions. One, I, I've got one in already in from the audience. So, thank you very much, Gloria, for sending the question in. Uh, but my last question to you before we take this one is, uh, what's your personal philosophy and what keeps you going? You you've been, uh, you know. Uh, really um, uh, energetic all throughout the show, uh, uh, have a very positive outlook. These are just my personal observations, uh, but but I'm curious to understand what's your personal philosophy and what keeps you going? Oh, yeah. Um, I think I do everything with intent, right? Um, of course, it's not a bad idea to just, you know, go about your daily life and fall into a routine, but... For myself, like if you want to, you know, really go forward and go beyond, you mm-hmm. don't need to do so much as you know what all those Facebook videos or Instagram reels they tell you. Like you have to like work twenty four hours a day, twenty six hours a day. There's only twenty four hours in the day, but like, <laughs> um, just do something with intent. Like know that you're about you're going to achieve something. Like put a goal right. with every little tiny thing that you do, so that you will right. achieve. You know, um, when you put your head into it. When you put your yeah. heart into it, and you know, you put your purpose and reason into it, um, you're like you're more likely to make something out of it. So that's uh, that's my basic philosophy, not just in the Web three space. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough, fair enough, GM. Thank you for sharing that with us. So, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard it here first. Live your life with intent. Make sure that everything you do is centered around that. Um, you know, uh, GM. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on the show. I've got in uh, question, one question that's coming from the audience, and I know that we're at the end, but for those of you that have questions, please send them in to adlunamync, or you can send them to the speaker directly. Or you can send them to JM directly, and we can have those answered for you, right? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> okay. So the, the, the question I've got from, uh, I've actually got two questions from Gloria, but you've already answered one. Um, so the second one I will ask is, what are the future plans for Jipkey Labs? For Gibkey Labs, um, recently we've already started the transition into a venture builder. So mm-hmm. we're no longer um, a focused Web3 um, agency that just does mm-hmm. things in Web3. Um, mm-hmm. We're now coming up with new startups in multiple industries, um, not, just right. with, um, not just with uh, crypto, but uh, like Taiki, for example. Taiki is a personal finance management AI. Mm-hmm. Um so we're helping people optimize their savings. Um, we're coming up with more and more things. Um, we're just um, see uh, looking at the market, trying to observe and trying to see what the needs are. So we're moving mm-hmm. to just like you know creating uh, NFT projects from founders into right. solving problems for real people. So we're doing that, partnering with universities. Um, hopefully, we get to create new opportunities for both. Um, people who want to find work and also people who want to create their own businesses, people who want to find right. um, ways to achieve their own dreams as well. So yeah, that's one of the things that we're go- uh, looking forward to in GiveKey nowadays. Super. JM, thank you for sharing that. I have one last question. What does GiveKey mean? GiveKey, um, 
I actually just start, uh, when I first came up with the name, um, I was looking for a word that meant uh, agile, you know, uh, agile to change and agile to behavior and everything. And I found right. the Polish word Gibki. So that's how uh-huh. I came up with the word Gibki. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. GM, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and insight on the show today. Uh, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure hosting you. For sure. Thank you very much, JP. Um, thank you very much, Adlunam. And um, I hope you guys are enjoying the rest of your night. Or, well, it's night for me. The rest of your day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cheers, GM. Salamat, salamat, salamat. Hi, thank you very much. Goodbye. All right. Cheers, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in on the show today. Remember, we have the Future of NFTs that happens on Tuesdays. You can look to Adlunam INC on Twitter to find out more details about when we're going to be broadcasting that show. And of course, remember to be back next week at the same time at the same place. And we will have a new guest on the show sharing their insights for you on diving into crypto. Finally, for those of you that have participated in our Sniper School program, congratulations for those of you that have gotten in. And for those of you that haven't, that link is still open. So you may have a chance to get in on the into Sheldon the Sniper's Sniper School in the next upcoming class that they will have in a few weeks. But stay tuned for more details. Ladies and gentlemen, this is JP from Adlunum INC bringing you everything about Web3. Have a good one. Cheers. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Diving Into Crypto, proudly hosted by Adlunum. The first engaged to earn platform with a proof of attention model and dynamic NFT investor profiles. 